Good evening, Meat Suits. Welcome back to Read It and Weep, Season 4, where three guys with perfect opinions about movies, TV, and culture discuss the most pressing film-related issue of the day, specifically a movie from 1964. Um, I'm your host, Alex Falcone, recording from North Koreatown, Los Angeles, and I'm joined by my excellent co-host. First up, he's at Anthony Lopez Part 2 on Twitter in Southeast Portland. He always puts on his nicest going out hat to do some murders. It's Mr. Anthony Lopez. Yeah, uh, nicest going hat. And like the thing about me, the most indescript face you can possibly imagine. Yeah, not so a mask. Just yeah. no face. Yeah, I am no face. That's a good look. Um, although I do realize this is like, I w- if we'd watched this a year ago, I wouldn't have thought about this. But now the way that mask is smushing his nose, I bet that's really irritating to him. Mm. I know that now. I don't like having my nose squished. Right? Okay, great. Right, yeah. Otherwise, otherwise, do the murders. It's worth it. All right. Also joining us, he's at Hunbun on Letterboxd from the woods of Arkansas. Perhaps female beauty makes him lose his mind. It's Hunter Donaldson. Hello. Hello. Oh, my effects thing isn't working. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that was me trying to do my down-pitched thing, and it didn't work. That's Interesting. <laughs> I thought you were just trying to sound like a um, like an ADO voiceover line, like the way I've you never... said hello kind of unnaturally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was trying to do. I just never heard myself uh, that I I've never known if I make a different voice when I use the voice changer. Kind of do, yeah. And now I know that I do that. That's funny. But yeah, well, hello, uh, I'm Italian. Did you? <laughs> I hope you fix your voice changer because we're gonna need it for the argument later. Oh, that's true. Uh-oh. Well, um, I don't think it's going to work. Okay, well, I guess I'll just go pull that clip from every other episode. Um, <laughs> actually, great news, Hunter. I want to give you this really good news. Um, we used to introduce you by the neighborhood you lived in in Portland, which was Bopo, the Between Two Popeyes neighborhood. Yes, and, yes. Um, then you moved to Arkansas, and Jay Number 1, who we were discussing last week, wrote in to say that he was bored enough that he looked up and verified that there, in fact, are more than one Popeyes in Arkansas. So, Hunter... You're technically still between two of them. Yeah, just yeah. Just not as close. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, well, technically I'm on like one, like I'm like right by the border of Arkansas and there's no Popeyes between me and the border. So I, I would know. say that there's like multiple Popeyes on one side of me, whatever you want to right. say that means. Right. I, I, guess, I guess since Earth is round, you're always like mathematically between two Popeyes somewhere, but. Now we're I getting think a little I'd, too I'd call broad. it like on Po. Like I'm always on a Popeyes. Like I'm above. <laughs> I'm to the north. Popeyes are to the south of me constantly. Okay. So you also think up is north. Yeah, great. Up is north. Down is south. Right. 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 Yes, that's correct. Yep. Okay. Right. Um, Anthony, what were you gonna say? Oh, I just had a. This just popped into my head for some reason, but I know it's a movie trope. Of like it's a mystery, so we're going to be talking about a, a murder mystery movie here yes. later. But in like when killers wear a mask, like if it's not like you're Michael Myers and you're like a crazy person who wants to wear a mask, it's right. like if you have to wear a mask to do killing, are you really that confident in your killing abilities? Like, isn't the point going to be they're dead? Think, Thus, it doesn't matter if they I see don't my think face. It's about the killing. I think it's about the getting away with it. Yeah. Yeah, getting away um, with it, I think, is really the thing. It would be in but, case someone else saw you. But that is a main thing that I have about this killer, which is that the way they try to frame somebody is by leaving the mask and the hat by her body. But no one has seen the mask and hat except victims. 
Yeah, that's good. No one has seen that and survived. So it was like, all they're going to see is like a bit of stalking and a fedora, which in Italy, I guess, is not that weird. Yeah, well, I, I mean, do, it's a perfect plan. I, I, I think it works. It I works do, for me. I did really like this movie, but it is it is kind of cool to see like so many of um, sort of genre staples that maybe originated with this p- movie and with this period. But it is from the bad guy's point of view. They're essentially in a Coen Brothers movie, which is something yeah. I liked as well. Like mm. the bad guys, their whole thing is like, okay, we got to just do this one thing, then we're good. Oh shit, we forgot about the book. Okay, we gotta just do these two things. <laughs> oh shit, this person yeah. saw me. Okay, we gotta do these three things and then we're good. Uh, yeah. That's one way to think about it. That, it's just like it is this like really thrilling, cool movie, but like when you kind of like understand what actually happened and what the villains were doing, I was just like laughing to myself about like, man, this plot just got out of control. I hate I I want to say every single I've been watching a bunch of these movies, these uh, Jalo films. I watched like six of them in the last Mm -hmm. like a week or two. And they all have they all share that they all basically fall apart. The second that the credits roll and you think (laughs) about everything you just saw, they just turn into mush. They're like, whoops, it was a house of cards. We barely had this thing making sense. Okay. I love that about it, and I look forward to talking. I have some theories about what their plan was, and we're going to talk about that more in segment two tease but first it's time for segment one because we do them in order it's the news so anthony this is going to be kind of your news segment a little bit since you were i believe the only one of the three of us who watched the golden globes were uh this weekend um so i would like you to give us a little bit of a report how did it go how was this pandemic award ceremony versus the others and the winners and all of it well so let's hear this, your, your report uh, yeah the golden globes were real weird last night i watched them uh with my wife uh you know i don't usually watch the globes because it the, the globes right no one actually cares it's not a right. real no, not a nobody real nobody cares at all um yeah. It's like what, like eighty old white French people who decide, and it's like, yeah, get uh, the fuck out yeah. of here, you know. Eighty-seven um, old old uh, white people, yeah, yeah. Um, it's it's the Foreign Press Association, which I don't know how real that is. Like, I don't know how yeah, exactly. focused it is no on one, helping foreign press. I don't no, understand. No one actually really cares, but it was interesting. I think, especially because this is past year with COVID, it you know, it was. It was very odd, especially in those first few months, to see shows uh, try to switch to a different format. And I think they've learned a lot of lessons along the ways. And I definitely think the Emmys from, God, was that earlier this year or last late last year? I Time is non-existent. It's right wiggly now. wobbly. Yeah. yeah. Um, when was it the Emmys? I don't remember. A month ago or six months ago. I don't know. Um but it like the way they did the the Golden Globes last night was they it, it looked essentially if you had just sort of popped in it it looked like a normal pre COVID award shows in which everyone was just accepting from home right so everyone was all dressed up to the nines except for like a few people like Jason Sudeikis. Uh, was kind of a real cute tie dye hoodie. Yeah, well, he's he's going through a pretty heinous divorce right now. Um, Mm. you know, his wife uh, is now with um the guy from One Direction, which is never good for your ego. 
I, I have to imagine. Oh, I feel good about that. Um, I'm glad he's. I, I'm fine with yeah, that. Yeah, no, I'm happy for her, but I imagine he's a little bummed out. But yeah, he gave yeah, a very yeah, bummed yeah. out looking, uh, very divorced dad. Uh, yeah, he looks so uh, divorced. But also, I love this hoodie. Uh, yeah. It's like real little pastels. It's nice. <laughs> but it was definitely the type of show that I thought like it. The winners were all really exciting. Like none of the sort of like lame besides like Aaron Sorkin winning for like best screenplay, which was kind of annoying. But uh, they they had a really diverse, wide uh group of people that got won awards it is really annoying to see like uh i forget who are the first person to do this but like when award shows started hanging lanterns on the kind of political like third rails if you would like (laughs) so it it was like when someone at like i think it was like the uh, golden globes last year or the oscars when someone was like here are the nominees for the all-male directors and everyone like gave a big like yeah you go girl you show them by being sassy on their stage and helping support their thing you know so like last night tina fey would they would do that a lot they would talk about like we're so excited for the golden globes which does not have a single black member which is a shame you guys do better but we are gonna take your money and be it's almost like it's almost like they're telling us like it's our fault like we're the ones that need to change it not as if like you are this this organization could change itself i don't know why it's like this weird i'm criticizing myself i'm not gonna do anything to change it uh anyways i want but i want credit for being self-critical it's so odd is yeah. that part is super weird um i just want to give you a quick update the tie-dye hoodie that jason sudeikis was wearing was merch for his sister's dance studio um <laughs> which is cool it's called forward space and they do like zoom dance stuff and they they are uh it seems not able to sell enough of those hoodies anymore they are gonzo well, which is too bad because well. i like it and i would definitely wear it I'm sure they can bring one back. Um, or you should just do uh, the cool thing to do, which is buy it secondhand so that the money goes to a uh, private yeah. seller and not the charity. Well, thing. scalp them. That's <laughs> probably what happened is they probably all got scalped. Like someone saw them on, on yeah. the Golden oh, yeah. Globes and they set up their Absolutely. robots to scalp. Absolutely. But, oh, but yeah, it was, it was like some things like uh, I thought um, um, uh, Lorman Neer won the uh carol burnett award which is like awesome i mean norman lear uh won the carol burnett Burnett award which won the carol burnett award which is awesome great for him but it's so funny to see somebody win an award named after a contemporary of theirs uh yeah i I just (laughs) just, that's a good point for some reason that is so funny to be like yeah he he was like working with her Going up 50 years and now... Well, no, that gives him an unfair advantage in winning her award. That feels like he had an inside track. Yeah, that feels like yeah. cheating, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, like, seeing Sasha Baron Cohen win a bunch of stuff for, like, Borat, which is pretty fun. Promising Young Woman was nominated for a bunch of stuff. A lot of movies I hadn't even heard of somehow, like The Father was nominated for a lot of stuff. Uh, hmm. It was really fun to see, because you know, the Golden Globes also for... Just you know, a lot of reasons people don't take them seriously. But the other thing is that you know, in a pre-COVID world, the Globes would nominate anyone that they thought they could get like a big celebrity 
to uh, show up to, which is oh, funny. Okay. In like, like you know, like famously uh, nominating Johnny Depp and Angelina Jolie for like the tourist, which is a right, movie right, yeah. Like. Uh, so like last night, Sia's film Music was oh, nominated. Which even good talking about. I th- yeah. this led to a fun discussion the other day with my wife, where she was like, "I kind of heard you talking on the podcast. Did Sia fuck up?" <laughs> Yeah, I'm sorry, dude. I got to tell yeah. you about it. <laughs> but yeah, they, it was nominated for Best Actress and Best Motion Picture uh, Musical or Comedy. And again, they even like talked about, like, it's a problematic thing. It's probably not going to win, but we nominated it anyway, because that's what the show is. It was just yeah. so fucking bizarre. Well, I will just add to that from my reading this week. Not only is it just trying to get a celebrity to show up, but also famously, they just take bribes. Yes. So the LA Times published a big expose this week about the corruption in the Hollywood Foreign Press Association. Um, and the one of the examples was that they flew like all 80 members to Paris and put them up in five star hotels to go watch the filming of Emily in Paris, um, which took a show that everybody I think who's seen it agrees is um, bad and wait, good wait, wait, nominations. Wait, what, what show? Uh, Emily and Perry. <laughs> Emily and Perry. <laughs> wait, oh, what? There we go. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, I'm sorry. I got to make sure they always rhyme. Um, yeah, you got to yeah. pronounce it right. Anyway, but they got two nominations for the show that everybody hates because they paid to fly everybody to Paris to show off. So it it, it was like apparently they've done a lot of that, which um, yeah. I'll throw that story in the, a link to that story too. But um, yeah, notoriously corrupt organization, which is actually kind of makes me like it more. I don't know. Just the idea that it's like so stupid. I, like you've almost convinced me that I like these. Mm. <laughs> Well, I mean, because like, so, all the words are a little bit stupid, and yeah, you're like, no, I, I no, no these are a hundred percent stupid. Well, right, it's like not for, pretentious in the same way that the Academy can be. You know, yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, pretending. Like, look, to we'll be not crap. We just want to meet Johnny Depp, and or we got a hundred dollars. It's like, yeah, oh, I mean, can I watch that, that show? That's the thing. Is like you can go down, just keep going down about fucked up things about like the Golden Globes, like the way Golden Globes gets into category fraud in a way that is so flippant and absurd you know like what is category fraud pitting the the stuff like pitting the motion as best musical or comedy oh yeah you know right 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 like that kind of stuff happens a lot uh actors who aren't really in don't really have a chance in like the best dramatic performance but if you say the movie's a comedy then they have a chance so like you get to straight up category fraud like that constantly. Well, it's also crazy that they do movies and TV in one. Like the Oscars is too long of just movies, and you're going to also yeah. add television. Yeah, it's just filled with stuff like that. You know, seeing Chadwick Boseman winning um, for uh, Bl- uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and his wife's speech was really, really touching. I heard that um, was great. There was, you know, um, God, I'm trying to find it, but some of these categories have also gotten out of control. Oh, I will say this before I get to this. There was so a few genuine moments that I really liked. Uh, the Chadwick Boseman's, uh, his, yeah. his widow speech was very moving. Um, probably the happiest moment for me, and just in terms of like how much culture has changed in my lifetime, is Jodie Foster uh, won uh, Best Supporting oh, yes. Actress for the Materian. I'm, uh, I'm not sure how to pronounce the title it looks good i want to see it but the great thing about it is jodie foster was sitting in uh basically her pajamas with a really beautiful dog and her wife 
next to yes. him. Yes. And it's just, it was so surreal, especially I feel like people of our generation who have grown up when it was like the running joke of like who Jodie Foster would bring as a date to award shows, right? Like everyone uh... has always known Jodie Foster was gay. But she was always, you know, she was closeted. She never really, she was not, never like, she was never like closeted to friends, but it was always like. Yeah, she was afraid it would hurt her career. Never, yeah, she never right. did. And like, so it was just this, like, this in known thing that was like, people talked about for a long time, but she could never be public with it. And just see her so casually with her wife on a couch in her living room was just like jams. a real, yeah, it was a real like, man, you know, like for all the problems with the world, when you see like noticeable night and day, things like that, I don't know, that genuinely made me well, feel really I, good. That is, that is really good. And also it's just interesting watching this award ceremony exclusively through memes the next day. Yeah. So I was aware of Jake and Sudeikis's hoodie Jason Sudeikis' hoodie. I was aware of uh, Jodie Foster and her wife in pajamas, and also Jodie Foster uh, had uh, thanked her dog in her award speech, who was also <laughs> there on the couch. And this is, as far as things happening from people's homes, this is one of my favorite things about the way that we're handling like life in pandemic is I'm seeing more pets. Uh, there's so many yeah. people's pets I didn't get to see before. And I think... It, like that, I love that the awards shows are at people's homes, so we get to see their pets, we get to see their pajamas, we get to see their uh, their decor. Um, there was some very nice backgrounds. It looked like from the um, from the memes I was looking at. Um, it was kind of a that's kind of a fun time. The other meme I saw though that you haven't mentioned yet is apparently Al Pacino was asleep. Uh, I didn't <laughs> see that. So they would. <laughs> they would do this thing when the people who are in upcoming categories, they would just have sort of like cuts to a wall yes. of five TVs that had yes. all of them just in like a Zoom chat. <laughs> so it was like. And apparently that when they did that and Al Pacino was in one, you could see him visibly wake up during his <laughs> broadcast. That is like the least Dunkachino thing he could do, really. That's just not him. That's not his, his brand. I feel uh, like I he's really so messed much. up. Yeah, uh, uh, my this, my this, main question, Anthony, is how was the hosting? How did you was were were uh, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler, who are very good hosts? How did they do? Uh, I mean, they were as uh, if you like Tina Tina Fey and Amy Poehler hosting stuff, it was it was okay. Uh, some <laughs> of their jokes were all right. They were each in different cities, so Tina Fey was in New York and Amy was in Los Angeles, or vice versa. And they were on matching stages, so it looked like they were standing next to each other. It was kind of a cool effect. Um, oh, interesting. I, I they were on I, stages. They weren't like just at. We, why weren't they on their couches? I think that, it should be an all pajamas, all dogs awards show. Well, that's what I was saying. Is that if you watch it, it does see because what they did was rather than have celebrities, they had first responders. Um, oh right, right. things. Right, um, just like like the Super Bowl. This is everybody's like, look, yeah. we want a crowd. We don't want the world to be mad at us. Yeah, if look. we just bring nurses, it'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, we just bring nurses. We don't want to get a celebrity sick, so we're just going to pit these first responders at more risk. Um, <laughs> well, presumably they're vaccinated first. But yeah, but um, but yeah, you know, stuff like I, I personally find uh, their shtick a little grating. And uh, okay, well, I, even I, if even if you hated them, I would take them for ten hours over Ricky Gervais for a minute. Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean. 
just yeah. not being Ricky Gervais is like my the number one compliment I have. How many for the times show did he game. get to do it? I couldn't believe that. That like was just and, four or five. No, and his it wasn't his thing that he was like roasting all these people, and it was like, why would you do? Then why are we here? If you hate this, if everyone hates this. Yeah, Why and it's it already happening? so it's already such like a I don't know, like a cynical, shitty award show anyway. So I don't really think it could like it doesn't have room well, for something yeah, like that, I feel like. I don't know. Yeah, think, I don't, you know, enjoy. if if he had not gone out there and sacrificed himself for freedom of speech, would we even have it anymore? <laughs> you know, if he didn't go and offer himself up to be slaughtered <laughs> by the SJW sensitive <laughs> PC police. <laughs> how, how with his, with his pre-approved jokes that producers okayed <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, I do want to give a shout out to t- uh, two more things one yeah. um, another kind of thing this is something else the Golden Globes do that really annoys me um, but another movie I haven't seen for all intents and purposes is a great movie Minori won best, uh, best picture foreign language um, mm. But the thing is, that's not a foreign movie. It's an American movie. It is just uh, uh, has a Korean cast and they speak Korean because it's about Korean immigrants. Uh, but again, it's kind of category fraud when they know this is not going to win like best drama if they submit it as that. So it gets submitted as foreign picture, even though it's an American film. Wait, wait. So, so to be clear on this category fraud, it's not that the Globes made that decision. It's that the movie studios get to pick what their movie is competing for, so, so that they like can pick their best odds. Yes. Okay. Because now I like it. I didn't like it before when I thought it was just about corruption and headlines. Now that I know it's the studios just trying to pick off categories they think they can win. This is like this is like my my Olympics dream. As I'm just gonna find the sport that seems. <laughs> Like I'm gonna wait and find out the sport that has the fewest signups one year, and then I'm gonna learn it real quick so I can make. I'm not gonna win. I'm not saying I, I would win. I would just like to be on the Olympic team, get like, you know, get a free uh, tote bag or whatever they give you, a, a, maybe a maybe a hoodie that uh, says like Olympic team. But I'll just be like, you know what? Oh my god, there's no kayakers this year. I'm gonna sign up as a kayaker and get in the Olympics. That's what I want. And so this well, this feels like you're like, look, we want to get Golden Globe nomination. Let's find the thing that no one applied for. And put our name in that hat. That's kind of fun. It is. It was also kind of cool when Soul. I don't know if you heard about this, but when Soul won Best Score, um, Tracy Morgan uh, was presenting the award, and he opened up the code and he goes, "And the winner for Best Score is Sal." <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, he, that's a bad miss. I mean, there are. I'm not great at pronouncing words, but I feel like there are two letters there. But yeah, you can just find the clip. Just Sal, Sal the winner. What I did wow. read about that, just to go back to the diversity problem, is that Soul also won for best animated film, and uh, but all, they don't include co-directors. So it was just the white director and the white producer, and then they had the black co-director on an iPad pre-recorded to be like, "Look, he's also here," which what? feels very bad. Um, but at least John Batiste won because I love that score and I like him and I think that's terrific. So at well, least- they also had a bunch of tech issues early. I mean, this must have been such a nightmare. Like Daniel Kaluuya was the first award of the night. Oh, and- right. 
I his, did see that too. His mic, his audio did not work for the first like thirty seconds of his speech. So you they got to remember to unmute in a Zoom meeting. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that was pretty great. Um, but yeah, right. overall, it was a it was an odd night. Okay, so let's move on. We got to talk about our homework this week because we watched a doozy. So we're gonna we're gonna be back here for some slashing in just a moment. <laughs> All right, it is section two, segment two, the homework. Uh, this week, our homework assignment was the 1964 Italian slasher film Blood and Back Black Lace, or as it's known in Italian, that's a big murder pie. <laughs> did, did you actually, did you guys actually look up what the name of this movie is in Italian? Yeah, in, in Italian, it's Six Donne per l'assassino, which translates to, it's a me, a murderer. <laughs> I did look that up. It means six women for the murderer. Yeah, which Wait. is a weird. It, this is a very weird construction of that sentence. That, like yeah. uh, here, these women are a gift to you, murderer. It's, it's like these titles that must sound better in their own language. Like you know the way, like the girl with the dragon tattoo. Uh, its original title in Swedish, the name of the series is "Men Who Hate Women." Right. Uh, right. But it's just like. That really does not sound super appealing in English. Yeah. But Girl with the Dragon Tattoo does. And it's just like, I wonder if Men Who Hate Women in Swedish does sound badass. Like, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo does. Or like, Six Women for the Murderer. Not a very good name. Blood and Black Lace. That's a pretty good name. Uh, yeah, I I mean, I will say the name's a little misleading. There was much less Black Lace than I was expecting. It's uh, yeah. It's an omen. You don't want to wear that black lace. Bad things oh, happen. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I just, if you're going to promise it, I would just like a little more of it. So um, for those of you not seeing it, a little more information about it. It's directed by Mario Bava, written by Marcelo Fondanta and Giuseppe Barilla. And I wish I was making, it sounds like I'm making it up, but it's <laughs> Mario, Marcelo, and Giuseppe. That really sounds like I'm doing uh, just more stupid stereotyping. But those are the actual people. Um, <laughs> well, yeah, because those are all uh, names. Very and... common Italian names, but they're also like, if I was picking silly ones, I would pick those yeah. also. So I just wanted okay, to be clear. Sure, sure. Those are the real yeah. names. He had um, made this at a really interesting point in his career. He had just left one castle that the princess wasn't in. <laughs> and was on his way to the next one. And, you know, made Come on, movie. Giuseppe, we'll make a movie where the princess <laughs> dies. <laughs> it's a me, a Mario. Mario okay, wow. so... Um, this is what you were assuming was going to happen, right? Hunter? Yeah, this okay. is this is what I wanted. So um, let me give you guys a summary in case you have not seen this movie. If you've not seen Blood and Black Lace from 1964, here's my micro summary. It's a little bit longer than usual because I had some fun with it. But all right. So we're all hanging out at a Roman fashion house. It's one of those all you can eat fashion designer warehouse places where you got models, you got designers, you got stuff being produced, and you've also got runway shows all in the same beautiful uh, Roman uh, architecture. Um, but the beauty turns bloody when one of the models turns up horribly murdered during a dramatic rainstorm. And that's a spicy meet the ball. The models and the fashion groupies are scandalized when they discover that the murder victim also wrote a diary confessing to having committed crimes with apparently every single one of them. So they all freak out and they fight over the diary. And then a bunch of them continue to be murdered, including a uh, face getting toasted on a grill and, and others. It looks like just a uh, splashed with marinara. Um, and all we know about the killer is that he wears a white stocking over his face and his nicest murdering fedora. 
to do his murders and that each murder seems like he didn't really think it out. Like every time it's like, he's just kind of playing jazz with whatever's nearby, like the stove, a spiky glove. It's like, these are not well planned. Yeah. Yeah. These aren't super premeditated. It's kind of just like they, they just, they just desperately need to kill these people. And so they just figure it out on the fly. Yeah. They're like, I'll just, whatever, whatever's at hand. Like I, like maybe it's like, I don't even want to spoil it for myself by thinking about it. I'm just going to like, just go with the flow. Mm -hmm. Um, And it helps that every one of them lives in a place full of murder weapons. There's so many, they're all the most elaborate. There's like, I could drop a hundred statues on your head. There's just so many options. uh, Also this thing about, a lot of foreign films, uh, especially when like you watch them as an American, because it's so easy to get a gun in America that you kind of almost expect that more. Oh. But like when you watch movies like Italian, especially like Korean films, is the first time I ever heard a filmmaker bring yeah. this up. Uh, but like they always have like knife fights, and the reason why they do that is because guns are really hard to get in a lot of these other countries. So That's it is such weird a good point as an American to be like, why don't they just get a gun? Or like, oh, that gun they have, why don't they just use that the whole time? And it's like, well, guns are rare; they're not super easy to get. You gotta, you know. The well, they e- do have a gun at the end, but yeah, maybe they couldn't find any bullets or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's a this is a great point. Although the spiky metal glove to the face was pretty gnarly, and I feel like that should also be illegal. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I cops, think they were. I think murder is illegal. Oh, in, you're right. You're right. I could yeah, check, but right. I think yeah. it is actually. Um, well, yeah. So speaking of uh, uh, of the law, so the cops get involved and they arrest all of the men at this fashion establishment. Yeah, but then. Like at the same time, just in a group, they take them all, put them in a cell, and then and there's no you're not leaving anything out. That they're, they're just like, all right, well, arrest all of the men. <laughs> yeah, which is reasonable. One of them is an epileptic, uh, in which they lock yes. him up in a nicer room. I guess. Sure, he gets a he gets a more consistent light pattern or something. But they um, arrest all the boys, and then what happens? The murder strikes again. Um, proving that it couldn't have been any of them, or could it? Because one of the boys and one of the sur- only two women left alive from this establishment um, get together after the men are released, and they celebrate the be- release from jail by getting drunk and explaining to camera the complicated plot that they led us uh, on, which basically is summarized this. If you give a mouse a murder, he's going to want another murder. And if you give him that murder, he's going to want a third murder. It's basically that. It's just a series well, of, I got to cover this murder with that little murder. Old and murder yeah, that's, that's right. murder. Yes, right. little old lady who swallowed a fly kind of murder mystery. Little old lady who swallowed a murder. That's what I was thinking. That's right. what I just was going to say, Hunter. That it's yeah. much less give a mouse a cookie and more of the old lady who swallowed a fly. Yeah. yeah, I, yeah. Um, but also, now, big reveal, right? It wasn't a murderer. It was two murderers. Uh, and one of them was a lady murderer. A murderess, if you will. Like, the surgeon was his mom. It's crazy. Um, but the two murderers, the murderer and the murderess, uh, plot together one last job. Well, they'll just take out the only remaining model besides her. Yeah, they, they literally the- kill, uh, not, I mean, the men pretty much make it, un- well, until we'll get to the end. But yeah. the, every, you you meet a bunch of men and women at the very beginning of this movie. And basically all of the women are murdered in the movie. All of them. And it basically. really makes that other woman like kind of suspicious, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But they have a plan yeah. for that. <laughs> so they're going to murder the second to last woman and then make it look like she did it by leaving the mask and hat, which as mentioned before, none of the cops have seen or have any reason to believe are anything besides a stocking and a hat. But they're like, Oh, then he'll know um, it's that's the criminal. And, um, but what happens is right there at the end, we find out, right. They originally had started this, the, um, 
little woman who sw- swallowed a, a fly or whatever it was because uh boy murder and girl murders girl murders husband so that they can be together and then the in the end he tries to murder her which is that classic dear abby letter you know if he cheats on you or cheats on his wife with you he'll also cheat on you you know it's like that but with Mm -hmm. murders and so the lady murder learns if he kills your husband to marry you he'll also murder you and pin all the other murders on you to steal your jewelry um and then so then they take the the gun finally shows up and the two murderers die in a pile and that's the movie Mm -hmm. that's that's the whole movie and and i realized that that was way more spoilerific than any other summary i feel like we've done but you don't the thing i've learned about this genre and i've been spending some time with it is that you don't watch it for the plots. Even though there are plots, You that's not what is appealing or interesting about, well, so as far as I can tell, any of them. This is honest. a great place to start. So tell me about this genre and why you've been going on a journey into its heart recently. Well, we watched Suspiria last year, and I remember, it, you know, uh, Dario, Dario Argento movie, and I really liked the lighting. I liked the colors. Yes. Um... I didn't really care about the plot of that movie either that much, but I loved the look and sound of that movie so much. Um, and, and then I had read, I read something where someone was like, you know, people say Suspiria is a Jallo, but it's not actually a Jallo movie. And that was like enough to make me feel like, okay, well then what is it? Like, if I don't know what it is, I thought I knew what it was because Suspiria is so cool. Um, so I wanted to learn about the genre. And this movie is technically the second Jallo ever made. The first one is one I watched called The Girl Who Knew Too Much, which is also by Mario Bava. It's like the movie he made right before this one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I That's didn't... just about a girl who's just studying really hard, and everything turns out fine. Yeah. Wait, what? Well, she's just <laughs> a girl who knows too much. I was just trying to imagine the plot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's similar to this, to be honest. They're all kind of similar to each other. They borrow a lot of the ideas over and over. And what I've come to realize is that Jalo really um is just a template for a wave of italian filmmakers to sort of rip off um stories and mostly focus on the visuals basically yeah. it was like a shorthand uh, for so, these people and a little the- bit of background information for people who have not heard of giallo just from my brief wiki hall um to take a glimpse into my wiki hall which is um giallo is uh italian for yellow and it comes from these pulp novels uh from the 60s and before that were on yellow paper yes. so it's a genre well, no, they, have, they have yellow covers too. Well, they have yellow covers yeah, yeah. but so the it's way like, like, it's like dime grocery store, store junk novel yeah dime yeah. store novels um, were all adapted to these slasher Italian movies. Yeah. Also, uh, what's what's interesting about that note is um, in The Girl Who Knew Too Much, the very first scene of the movie has um, the the titular girl reading one of those books. So it was kind of a nice payoff oh, nice. to the wiki hole because I was just like, oh, that's one of the books that these are all ripping off of. Okay, oh, I great. see. And like well, there are certain like um, staples, like the black glove killer is used in like most Jalo films. And it, it, and it's it, so it, crazy because they they get the black gloves in even if it doesn't make sense, even if there's no reason for them to wear black gloves. Like in in Blood and Black Lace, it feels like it kind of makes sense because they're all like kind of fashiony. So the idea that the killer would have these black leather gloves, but yeah. I mean I've watched some where it's just about like a businessman, and then all of a sudden he pulls out like a big black leather glove. It has no story purpose. It's purely aesthetic. It's purely just like, yep, do you remember the black glove from all the other ones? Here it is again. 
I I liked the gloves, but also as soon as but like I liked the look of this killer being just like a white stocking over the face and the fedora and the black gloves because I was like I suspect there might be a woman involved here because yes. it's that's why we have the no face and a hat is so that you can have a secret murderess. That was my and prediction. You know that it's going to be a secret murderer if you've watched the clearly uh, rip off of this uh, Warren Beatty's Dick Tracy where no face <laughs> at the end turns sure. out to be Madonna in disguise. I did uh, not know that. And you've ruined this Tracy. thing I've never heard of for me. Um, but yeah, spoiler, like, there's a, a masked killer who also has yeah. no face like this. Um, I mean, it, it's like, it's a, at first I was like, why are you wearing such a lovely hat to go murdering? And then I, well, so Hunter, it seems like from my, again, brief wiki hole um, experience, I was just like poking around in there a little bit. Um, in that hole and i found yeah. that it's common to have a killer who like we only see from the back so that it can be a surprise later who it is well yeah so there's always a twist and and the the formula of these movies is so specific that you it's really fun to watch them in order to be honest um you have to prepare yourself for the idea that you're going to see a lot of elements used over and over and over mm. but then when one truly does something different and i will say thus far as far as i can tell Argento really is the guy to watch. I know I didn't bring one of his movies um, for for this project today, um, but I wanted this one is so ripped off so many times. Like so many of the movies are just this movie again. Um, that it, even though it itself isn't that interesting of a movie, um, it feels like you're watching something important because you feel all of these other movies that would come after it. And it's weird that even this movie has a predecessor that didn't get ripped off as much because the key to this whole genre is to me kind of just the color red, basically yeah. like they all just love red, red well, is every, you know why? and all the blood in all Marinara. of these movies is so fake. It's ridiculously yes. fake. Like it actually, that was one of my big, biggest compliment to this movie is that cause I don't love horror movies, but when mm-hmm. the effects of the murders are so bad, it's like easier on my stomach. So I enjoy like, that. That is like an Italian. I mean, so like a, a few other things, uh, sort of a note of about sort of this film and this sort of like, it also has all the sort of a weird, uh, Italian cinema of the 50s, 60s, and 70s in terms of, like, we talked about this a lot in the Suspiria episode, the, like, getting a multi-ethnic, uh, multinational cast and everyone just speaks their own language, and then you just read yes. of it. So, it, like, that kind of stuff, plus the lighting, plus the kind of, like, for me, the thing that I really love about these movies and, like, this genre and time period is that because they're being shot in Italy and Rome, they're like even the lower budgeted films have like the most outlandish production value. Yes, because it's yes. just Rome. Like the idea with right. there are scenes when like these people who are like aren't supposed to be super rich or you know are not, it's kind of like struggling young models are driving around in what is if all like maybe a shitty Italian car. I don't know because to me it just looks like a dope ass Italian car. They're right. driving around in, and it just adds so much uh, production value to these movies. Just literally being in this place, and then you have the colors and the weird voices and the odd music, and they kind of just pit you in this sort of like trance in the movies to sort of wash over you. And that's what I really enjoy about it. Um, and it is you know, like funny to see like that was this. I wonder the first movie to do the because. Uh, 
like when when the guy got out of prison because the killer had kept killing. It was like, right. have, have detective, haven't you watched Scream? That's an yep. old horror trope. <laughs> Just two screamers. That's the classic. Yeah, that's the that's what you always do. You get one arrested, then you keep killing to take the suspicion off them. It's the perfect crime. It's perfect crime. Um, Absolutely. I yeah. um I wanted just about the color red though. Um, was my one of my I think probably the favorite my favorite sequence of the whole movie is just the opening credits with the red velvet um fashion like the what um. Model carcass? What do you call those things? Uh, dress oh, form? Uh, mannequins? Mannequins. That's what I was yeah. trying to say. Um, model carcass was the best I came up with. <laughs> yeah, um, that was weird. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Terrible place to go with that. But the um, over here. Jesus. <laughs> they're, um, uh, yeah, anyway, the, the mannequins are this red velvet, and it's so cool. And uh, yeah, just great 60s score. A very interesting bit flying over there. My second favorite thing about it by, is the scene where they discover the diary is really great. Yeah, where you're like, okay, she's been murdered. It's terrible. Did you know she kept a diary? And then everyone in the room turns and gasps. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great scene to like reveal how deep this was. I thought that was really fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. It, I, it's I, a great. I, oh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, you go. I, ahead. I was going to say that scene also kind of goes into what we've talked a lot about, like the way blocking can really work to tell a story like Mm -hmm. that whole scene is shot with like it's like these long dolly shots uh which is something i also miss it's just obvious uh hand push dollies like now most of the stuff is like computers and like Mm -hmm. electronic tracks so the dollies are completely smooth i like seeing them like kind of slow down and speed up because real people were pushing them yeah, you just like knowing someone's pushing. That's your yeah, favorite it's, part. This is cool. It adds such like a texture to the film, you know. Uh, but like that whole scene, it's all about like every who everyone knows where this diary is, and they're all watching it from different point of views. And it's like it's in the background as the camera's dollying back and forth. It's just really well done. Uh, very cool scene. So I will say that now that we're talking about the good things. My downside to this genre is that. I have, as you both are very well aware, a mild film-based face phasia, and it's hard to remember who the fuck anybody is in a movie yeah. anyway. No, it was but hard be- for me in this one, too. Because so. it's Italian, and it means I'm reading the bottom of the screen, mm-hmm. I have no idea who any of the people were, I, almost the whole time. It's not, did their you, voices weren't wacky enough to keep track well, of who was who. Did you okay, guys so, so you watched the Italian, the Italian dub of it? I watched the Italian dub with English sub, yes. Okay. Yeah. So what's interesting about this genre, because of what Anthony was talking about before, um, and, and I think this is actually one of the reasons that you don't see a lot of Jallo on, like, they're not trying to make it a thing on, like, streaming services, um, because uh, all of the dialogue gets, like, ADR'd, and that's, like, as far as I can tell, true in, like, Every single one of these movies. They're yeah. all like, they're all yeah. dubbed, basically. That was and the way Italian movies were made. I was going to say, that was all Italian movies, right? Because I remember that from some great Italian westerns, we, westerns we've talked about. Yeah, so so because of that, though, you get into these... So, like, I watched one uh, the other night called Lizard in a Woman's Skin, and mm-hmm. it was filmed in England and had a lot of English actors. And about... And, and I actually, I bought it on DVD. That's how much I'm getting into this genre, because I Ooh. wanted to watch... The movie, but I wanted to have access to both dubs because right. you never know going into it which one is going to be better, to be honest. And because uh, Lizard in a Woman's Skin is set 
in England, there were too many English actors, so I switched it to the English dub away from the Italian. And I would normally never, ever do that with a foreign language film, ever. I, I hate uh, dubbing, really, for the most part. It just looks weird and silly, but they these all look weird and silly. So you sort of have to make your choice going into it, which one do I want to watch? And a lot of the rights to these movies were separated from the beginning and maybe have not reunited. Mm. So, like, for example, uh, what's the horror movie streaming service called? I forgot what it's called. Shudder. Uh, Sh- so Shudder has uh, a Jallo on it, and I, like, went to go get it, but it was the, they only had the English language, like, sometimes they do separate cuts. So it was the English language cut with the English dub, but it didn't really have, it had almost all Italian actors, so it just felt like a really shitty dub. Um, I think this one is mostly, I mean, uh, I think all, all this whole cast is Italian, so I think the Italian dub probably matches up a lot better than the English one does. Um, but it is interesting that this is a genre where you, I don't see one as being uh, completely superior to the other. You kind of have to make a choice based on the movie itself, which is a nightmare, I think, for um, the streaming world, essentially. I would also like to say that I had not heard of Shudder before, and I think this is a nightmare for the streaming world, not just because I don't like most of these movies, I think, but also because the idea that I'm going to, we've, as we've discussed, there's too many goddamn streaming services, and now yes. I'm supposed to buy them by genre? <laughs> it's not even like, would you like to watch some stuff? It's like, would you like to watch this one narrow band of stuff? It's I like, would, oh, what mood am I in? I'll go to the scary streaming service. Today, I'm in kind of a comedy <laughs> streaming service. What I really want is like a interesting, introspective drama streaming service. It's $9.75 a month. Like, well, the thing with, like, thing with Shudder is they also give opportunities to really young filmmakers and produce a lot of movies. I don't. We don't need to get into an ad of Shudder. Can I say something I really no, like about this? No, this is the opposite of an ad. This, yeah. this service needs to fail. Well, well, no, well, I, I think Shudder is the right that like, I think this is Shudder is the right type of genre for there to be a streaming service about if yeah, if they try to make a streaming service for introspective dramas, like I, I would probably roll my eyes at that. But Shudder's whole like we do just horror and a lot of it is like B movie horror or like right. kind of forgotten horror movies. I feel like that has there's definitely but, an audience for that. And it feels just owned by AMC. Just have an AMC streaming service where I click on the horror button. Now, that is a good point, and I will stand with that. Great. I win. Yeah. I win! <laughs> I did not um, mean to win. Um, can I okay. say something yeah. I thought was awesome about this movie? Yes. I yes. genuinely really liked it. I thought this movie had some of, if not the best, dead body acting I have seen <laughs> in quite... There's... I, this I, I is one scene ugh. when a body is getting dragged into a house for no reason. I don't know why this this person would find a dead like if you find a dead body, my first reaction isn't like, well, I didn't kill this person. I need I should to move get rid it. of the body. You know, yeah. My, yeah. my first thought is, oh, I didn't kill like if I killed the person, then yeah, maybe I should move the body. But if I right. anyway, this person is dragging the, in this no, person. I, no, don't, don't, buy the, don't move on from that too quickly. I just want to agree. That I just want to subscribe to your newsletter about this because that is a really weird reaction to finding yeah. a corpse. It's I mean, like look, I'll just hide in the is, living room. She's been stressed out. She's not thinking clearly. We've all done. I broke my hand washing dishes the other day because I wasn't paying attention. We all do dumb things, you know. Um, Wait, was it the water that was too hot, or you touched a pan that wasn't cool? No, I left the water. I turned it too hot. It was a whole yep. thing. But anyway, well, good for you for having a this a, a body. System. When uh, when she's dragging her in, that I was like, 
the like the body has been dead for a while, so like rigor mortis is set in in certain places. So like mm-hmm. the ohms were oddly stiff, and I was just like unbelievably blown away at how good of an actor to pretend to be dead and have to have someone drag you and to keep yourself that stiff. It's just impressive. It's just a uh, well, I, yeah, I did notice difficult. that on the first one too, where they were dragging her across the grass and stuff. It seemed like good work, but then on IMDb, there's like a section that's like major uh, fuck ups from this movie production, and one of them's like on a close up, you can see a pulse beating in her neck. Yeah, but fuck chill you, out, guys. Go, chill yeah. out. That is a oh. person. Oh, <laughs> I, I'm sorry they didn't show the heart for that scene for you, you mother. Yeah, it's uh, pretend for fun. Jeez, uh, what? Uh, uh, excuse me, excuse me, projectionist. Can you rewind the movie so I can get the time code <laughs> so that when I can put this in my IMDb what uh, goof what an section? Asshole. Yeah, I mean that's why you can't ever read that because the no, whole IMDb sure. goofs thing is just like, did you know that this actor? was with this actor in another movie and they had similar names. If it's like, if there's a coffee cup somewhere, I like, I don't mind reading about that. That's fun, but it's not a goof that the body was not dead. Like yeah. that feels like actually like a great compliment to the movie studio that they did not kill this actor for this yeah. scene. She claims to be a method actor, but didn't actually die when she was murdered. So I you know really... there are many there are many potions that could uh, still her heart for just long enough for the scene to take place. Yeah, why don't we give us some of that uh, Romeo and Juliet shit? Yeah, you know, still, get really, it. I was just thinking of Romeo and Juliet powder. I don't know if there's if that's a real thing in other contexts, but Romeo and Juliet powder is what I meant. Yeah. Um, um yeah I, this was a, this was a good time hunter i mean i don't like slashers much um mm-hmm. in general but i this i was here for it it was interesting i did I like Suspiria like, a lot so i i like w- where um because it's interesting that this essentially all got ripped off and then brought to america in the form of of slasher movies with like mm-hmm. halloween and uh uh you know Session. friday friday the 13th and all yeah. those movies um but i like I like the way um, the Italians kind of had like a like a goofier tone, I think, like like silly things happen in all these movies. Like I watched one called uh, it was called Death Laid an Egg and it's like (laughs) got a chicken farm thing in it. And it's not like they work the chickens into. Well, actually, the chickens are sort of part of the plot, but it's weird because you like see these beautiful like Italian actors, and they're next to all these chickens, and it's just a weird. Oh man, why did we not watch together. this? I'm mad at you for not picking this movie. Oh, it's it's really not very good. Like it's just it just because that's the thing Dude, is this, just this looking is a at all these stills of, of these actresses holding live chickens is so fun. <laughs> it's it's that was the best part about it. Um, but I think there's something a little easier for me to to click into with these movies than, um, you know, the the slasher movies of the late 70s and 80s, uh, I think are a little more like the the violence needs to be so over the top, which a lot of Jallo ha- movies have over the top violence. But they also kind of have a, a goofier tone that I think makes the whole thing feel a bit lighter, even if it does get like a little sick for a moment. Whereas yeah. like. It's kind of like I, I I do like um Freddy Krueger a little bit. Um I don't like his uh his origin uh feels like a weird thing for the character to have. But the fact that he's like jokey is like closer to me to like right. what the tone should be for these movies. Well, I, one thing I liked about this was that there is even if it's like 
not the best plot. It's still like, oh, there was a reason for doing all of this. Whereas a lot of the slashers from the 80s are just like, man, that kid just really likes killing. Yeah, I I I think I picked it because it it is like a like a really good starting point for if you're interested um in this genre. Um and and I would I don't want to counter anything Anthony just said because I thought all of that was really great. But this is kind of where they start. And then from here and into the 70s, it just gets, I would say, weirder and wilder. And and traditionally the pivots uh, yeah, seem to be taking this more chickens. Yeah, there's chickens or like there's a lot that it gets really mystical and eventually you get all the way mm. to Suspiria where we've literally got like witches and stuff. And yeah. I would, um, if anyone is interested in this genre, I would recommend that you watch this as kind of a, a primer, but if I'm going to recommend another movie to you, I really got to recommend, um, this movie called deep red, which is uh, a movie by Dario Argento. It's actually the movie he did right before Suspiria. Uh, and it, it's, uh, it's wild. Um, I didn't. I didn't pick red. it because I feel like it's a weird. It's weird to go straight into th- that one, to be honest. Um, but it's a good companion piece to. After watching this, you're like, okay, I get what the rules are, and then you watch Deep Red and you see somebody really play with those rules and stretch them kind of their to their breaking point. Um, this also, in, I, I know a little bit about Deep Red. Mostly, I know that it's an origin story to Deep Blue Sea. Yes, yes. So they are before they, the Samuel Jackson Shark movie. This yes. is, started in Italy and it seems like dolls are getting killed. Yeah, there's like a there's a really scary doll thing in in Deep Red. Uh yeah, it's it's just man, that's it's such a weird movie. Um mm-hmm. to be honest. It's almost like too weird uh for us to do an episode about. It's such a such a wild strange uh well, yeah, and so it also in our has planning conversation just to let everybody in behind the curtain. You asked me, Hunter, what horror movies do I actually like? And I gave you a list, which I thought was pretty impressive, that I came up with five horror movies I actually like. And you were like, ugh, I guess we'll watch that first no, one. that's is not what I meant. I heard it in. That's not what I meant. I think, I, I think that there is a trashiness to Giallo that if you're not into horror movies that have a similar level of trash... Like, honestly, you gave me a list of just solid gold horror movies that are maybe too good in a traditional sense for me to feel like you were going to appreciate deep red, but you did like this. So now I feel yeah. like maybe you would like deep red. Be yeah, and Alex, I, I like uh, this has got both of those elements. And yeah, also I, like I want to, I want to defend Hunter for a second, Alex. I also was in that thread. That was not his tone. Like the text he sent to me later in private certainly was in that tone, but at the time I that definitely, tone was not there. I definitely could tell I'd failed that test. All right. Well, we're going to move on to the argument and the wrap up. All right. So now it's time for segment three. The argument, obviously, where this is going to have to go is the best slasher film of all time. The rules, though, for the argument are as such. It's slightly evolved from last week. Hunter, you... Um, were disconnected sadly and did not get to participate in the end of the argument last week. So um, I heard I lost, which I don't think is fair. Lose pretty badly, and I it might have been because you weren't there, but it also might have been because you chose bad, um, chose badly, no, you chose no. wrong. Um, there was some talk on Twitter though of perhaps a bit of a mashup where the war rig was involved in the Fellowship of the Rings. We'll see. Um, and also, I got confused. About, I was thinking about this because one of the things that uh, some people tended to say about making 
Lord of the Rings, a winner would be that it was more epic because it was longer, but it's just because they have tiny little legs. If they had a truck, they like just because it was three hours there and back for the war rig doesn't mean it's actually closer. It could have been farther away, but you had a car. So mm-hmm. I don't think you should give points for walking in a movie. Anyway, you Alex, already sometimes I this. really can't tell if you're rambling or having a stroke. And that was one of them. <laughs> I just, you're talking right. about trucks and Lord of the Rings. Like what the fuck? Let's get back to slasher movie. movies. Give her, Okay. So we're talking about slasher movies. So because, uh, Anthony, because you won last week, mm. you are the judge this week for this week's the argument. And so we are going. Hunter well, and I are each going to present a case. Hunter, congratulations! Uh, I'm really knew you would pull it through. <laughs> yeah, I, just I, a great. I picked you last time. How <laughs> you? Oh man! All right. Anyway, um, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go first, Hunter. If that's all right. Yeah. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Just because it already got brought up uh, once, and I'm sure yours might have been as well. Um, but the best slasher film of all time is Scream, and I'll give you four quick reasons why Scream is the best. One. Scared the shit out of me at the time. Uh, two, rewatched it. Still scared the shit out of me. Three, it's meta, but in a good way. It's like learned lessons from all these movies instead of just straight ripping them off. It's acknowledging where things are coming from. And four, the first time I ever French kissed another person was after watching that movie. Wow. Mm. You guys That's just realized cool. he could die at any moment. So why are we wasting our lives not making out? It was, was my kind first of ever boy-girl party. It was a Halloween party where we watched Scream. We were very scared. And then afterwards, I made out with Heidi. And it was a really nice time. Yeah. So interesting. my arguments for why Scream is the best slasher film. Hunter. I like half of your argument was you got to kiss someone. Um, yes. yes. And I mean, here's the thing. Uh, like, most of those things you said are absolutely true and undeniable. That last one, I'm not sure if I believe you on. Uh, so like certainly a meta film that really redefined like scream is the reason why the slasher genre like still exists today right it was dead pre-scream because it got driven into the ground and it is certainly one of the like the smartest screenplays i think uh ever written in terms of like its genre and what it's trying to do uh yeah, definitely a big fan of Scream. Uh, Hunter, what do you got? What do you what do you bring into the okay, table? Okay, so there's, whatever there's you're saying, Hunter, you're arguing against kissing. I'm not arguing against kissing as an idea. I'm arguing no, no. against you kissing someone, oh, uh, which fair. is yeah. a very much different uh, different yeah. thing. Um, okay, so there's about there's two moves I could go. Um, this is I like to pick what I think is objectively the best. I don't necessarily go with like I think there are two answers to this question. It's either you want to kind of stay in the the cultural idea of what a slasher film is, in which case I think it is Halloween. However, if you want to go historical, I think it's got to be Psycho has got to mm. be the best slasher film of all time. Because yeah. I think the sequence with the shower literally invented the genre. I think that yes. was such that pierced the uh, everyone's uh, imagination so deeply that oh. we now got whole movies just born from oh, like so even in your own argument you've already proven yourself wrong because it pierced it did not slash that's the key uh, well, interesting. he stabbed her a lot he yeah. stabbed and yeah. slashed her a lot alex yeah here's the thing you've done though by telling us these two you're gonna have to pick one and now you've added the element that if anthony thinks one the other one was the right one you lose points for getting close and missing well which i think is that was your the- answer Oh, I Alex, was wanting don't to hear myself kind judge, of all right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, are you the judge or is Anthony? Don't tell me how my thought what process the refs? works. That's all the refs. 
Well, well I think we have been to a loss. All right, buddy. We'll put you in the goddamn <laughs> penalty box. <laughs> you already congratulated him. I think we've already talked enough about Halloween in this episode and on this show. So I think I want to pick uh, Psycho um, just to say that I think I think there is something about that movie that that burrowed itself so deep uh, in culture that all of these other movies kind of sprung out of it. And it's just like every every image from it, like the first minute of Halloween is so just sticks in your mind, um, which is actually very much a Jallo thing. Almost every Jallo movie peaks in like the first 30 <laughs> seconds of the movie. Like the first scene will be great. Um, but Psycho, you know, there's there is the shower scene. There is the scene with the reveal of his mom, the way she just kind of like yeah. slowly turns around. And then, and you know, the, it, the scene when he's trying to get rid of her body and the car stalls yeah. in the river. Like that is that's my favorite scene in Psycho just because of it's like the power of filmmaking and great performance. I generally think that's one of the best moments in movie history because what it it does is it like the first half of the movie you're with, um, uh, who's the actress in Jamie Lee Curtis's mom. Anyway, she, you're with her. And then when she dies and then you're like, well, I guess I'm following Norman Bates, this fucking psychopath with this weird mom. I'm really worried about wanting this movie. And then the second that happens, you're like, oh, I really hope he gets away with this. I'm rooting for him so bad. It's just incredible movie making. Yeah. Also, one of the best houses in movie history. Just a great looking house. I mean, I, I think it's very hard for me to... I think everyone has brought really good answers. Uh, mm-hmm. I think um, you can definitely find valid points. I, I would, I personally would argue to kind of split the difference between your two choices and go with Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is Ooh. actually the greatest That's, slasher that is a film really good of all one. time. I don't think it counts. Really good one. It's a saw. Well, I don't think that counts. Would, a different motion. No slashing does, at all. Does, um... What's the verb like, for, for chains? I guess saw. I guess yeah, it would saw, be saw. Yeah, you saw. Okay. I, well, I mean, it's, that is confusing, um, especially in the horror movie genre. So I think there's more of like a, yeah, there's like a saw slash that is like a combination. Well, and then there's, there's, there's also like, is the is Terminator a slasher film? Like the first the one, first not one? the sequel. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah, first, yeah. One's the first one is. Like, I would, I, I think that would also be in the category. But um, yeah, I think because I'm not... Uh, volunteering things and i can't no. say texas chainsaw which is actually the best right. slasher film of all time i'm gonna have to go with a uh, hunter and say uh anthony hopkins anthony hopkins uh <laughs> anthony perkins in yeah. um yeah. alfred hitchcock psycho is the best slasher. so let me ask you this question hunter when was the first time you saw psycho the first time i saw psycho i think i was Hold like me. 16 and do you remember what you did the rest of that night? No. Doesn't seem like it's that meaningful then. It just doesn't seem like it has the same hey, effect. Hunt, Hunter, do you uh, remember you, the first you know, time okay, you right, how about made this? out with a girl? Uh, no, I don't remember because it just happened so many times. Uh, but, <laughs> uh, I'll tell you this. Uh, do you remember when you were in the shower all those times and you were afraid somebody was going to get in there and do something to you? Someone's going to psycho me? I yeah. um, have never felt that way. No, I've never been particularly oh, okay. afraid of the well, shower. I feel like I'm a, sa- well, it's a safe... Well, you're a liar. You're lying. You, oh, man. I'm literally, there's a lot of feels things I'm that. scared of. That one I feel safe. Yeah, do you guys no, ever feel, have... You know what, like, honestly, 
honestly, I'm more scared of turning on a back porch light when it's really dark out because there might be a football player hanging in a tree. For sure, That's I was weird. more affected by scream <laughs> than I was by cycle. No, in terms a fo- of well, a football player doesn't hang from a tree. Drew Barrymore hangs from a tree. He's dead in a chair. So obviously, oh, you're right. You you're right. don't yeah. know scream that well. That's true. I, well, I don't know what that. Yeah, that's a good point. Look. That's a good point. But you know what? <laughs> yeah. It's partly because the rest of the evening went so well. I remember all of that instead. Look. I think you only remember this movie because of the kiss afterwards, not because yeah. of the movie at Look, all. Alex. I'm just saying that movie is about the anticipation of maybe touching tongues later. That's what I think it's. And that is such a powerful thing for a movie to be about. And for you to take that and be like, nah, it's I really just like this house, you know, it's like, it's not as good. It's not as powerful to me. It wasn't just that we like the house. It's that the, the shots with the, the scene with the stabbing in Mm -hmm. the shower Mm -hmm. is like jaws level scary, where you take it with you. You live with that for the rest of your life, knowing that somebody might come in, you know, to the year. Actually, my, my roommate psychoed me one time and it scared oh. the shit out of me. Not that he was going to kill me, but he, I didn't know he was home and uh. it was late at night and I was by myself and I was taking a late night shower. He knew this. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't supposed to be there. No one was supposed to be there. Right. And he like uh, had turned all the lights off in the house. Mm-hmm. So when I opened the door and turned the light off, in the bathroom all of a sudden i was in complete darkness and he came towards me making like shuffling noises really fast and i thought i was gonna die he pranked me so hard i was naked on the floor screaming yeah he pranked you show ho that if you had like shot him it would have been justifiable i know know? that's like that's what's really scary to me it's like i could have hurt him yeah, yeah, I. This is why, why should, pranks are the worst. None of this is appealing to me. You have, I just you know? ruined your night. Why is that great? I'm just saying that that it's a horror movie, right? So like, Psycho became real in my life for a second in a way that your real life example of kissing someone afterwards has nothing to do. It's with come Scream. up a bunch of other times since then. Okay, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I'm not saying you don't remember it. I'm just saying like it's not like Scream is specifically about kissing which then made it kissing happen. You know what I mean? Psycho is this thing that literally inspired a prank that a friend of mine did to me and I lived it for a second and it's scary and it was really scary. And now I'm scared of people coming in the shower. One more little, I mean, look, I know I didn't win this, but I will just say I have also been on a show with Jamie Kennedy and I've never been on a show with anybody from Psycho. So, Uh, okay. I think we should give it a scream then. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, well, Alex, can, how how far does this go for you? Do you remember the the movie you saw before the first time? Like you like grabbed the ass or yeah. like got a, got a hand What's job somewhere? Yeah. Do you have Do you have a movie <laughs> got for a hand everybody? job somewhere? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, <laughs> this has obviously gotten too personal, and I'm not going to the... go all the way into this. Um, <laughs> Alex, you're the one who on, opened Alex. this up. Come on, I Alex. I will tell Let's... you the dumbest thing I've ever made out through was uh, the um, Fahrenheit 9-11. Is, <laughs> is that when you uh, you like you, you did the uh, like hole in the bottom of your popcorn trick? No, I don't. Yeah. I, I suspect no one's ever done that trick because I don't like butter on my junk. But that's look, you don't like butter on more, your junk. That's no, ridiculous. this has gotten more personal than I was hoping <laughs> it, it would. Um, oh, also, shout out really to remember, Miss Falcone. I uh, <laughs> uh, uh, the replacements. I also remember making out through the replacements. Do you guys see that movie with Keanu? 
Keanu. Yeah, I thought the, you meant the, the band for a second, and I was like, "That's weird." No, you you mean that uh, that movie in which the heroes are a bunch of scabs? Uh, yeah, yeah. But, no, I don't remember that because I <laughs> the, did not watch the movie. Just like I could not tell you anything that happened in Fahrenheit 9/11. I remember there was like a golfing scene with George Bush, and then it was over, and I was all hot and bothered. Mm. Just Michael Moore does that to you. All of these things have done some weird things to my subconscious. But anyway, congratulations, Hunter. You did a tremendous job. You deserve this win. Um, And uh, you're going to have to just keep gloating all the way through next week when you get to judge. And in the meantime, one more quick thing I want to do before we leave. So hang tight. All right. We have a couple of letters from the mailbag that I want to make sure we get to today. Um, the first comes from Steve by email, uh, who says this. I love that you guys uh, took on talking about Life of Pi uh, this week. A couple weeks ago, letters. Uh, I took a little while to get to this. Great movie. Great discussion. I was waiting on the metaphorical edge of my metaphorical seat to see if you'd talk about the island. And you did. Huzzah. But the most interesting thing about that weird floaty island is that it's literally shaped... It's literally in the shape of somebody lying yeah. flat on their back at one hour, 40 minutes, 30 seconds. My wife noticed this when we originally saw it in theaters, and I had no idea what she was talking about. When we rewatched it later at home, it's totally obvious. Yet I found no mention of that in any online review or anything. Just a neat detail that my wife, Juliet, continues to get full cred for being the only person in my life who noticed. Did we talk about this? Uh, I, don't I mean, know I did. definitely I, did. I didn't notice it. Yeah, I definitely yeah. noticed it when I like even in theaters noticed the um that. And I always thought that was one of the images that like made it so when I had uh, like a like a the first time I saw the movie like a reading on what the island meant, it always like but it's shaped like a body. Why? Like that was one of those weird things that I always had trouble squaring that, you know, with my rest of the interpretation. But yeah, it's definitely there. Well, but if it's wait, but so the interpretation was that the island was like him giving up and becoming a water boy. Um then the it the body is him, right? Yes. Or hmm. you can say like I've I've heard people give the interpretation that the body is about like giving in to cannibalism. So like a rotting body with a bunch of maggots on it, oh, right. could yeah. look like an island oh, full of mocats because the yeah. mocats from a distance look like maggots crawling yeah. in. Also, it kind and, of sounds like if you say it fast. Yeah, and if yeah. he was like, you know, eating this, eating like his mom or whatever, and he looked down and saw a tooth in his hand, that would yes. ground him under what he was doing more. Yes, and make it so that he would want to leave. Which is another uh, like interpretation of what that island it's was. It's still yeah. weird that that happened, and it is still uh, like it's it's a bizarre detour for the movie to take. But I am super impressed, and I definitely did not notice that. Um, and so thank you um, to Juliet. Congratulations on noticing that first in Steve's life, and also thanks Steve of I am a potato fame from emailing uh, for emailing us. Uh, I really appreciate it. And it's fun to, get to talk about that. Also, one more email. He used to this be is... a Mr. Potato fame, but not anymore. Now he's just no, Potato but fame. again, they came back. Remember, the bad guys won that one. You didn't see the end of this? Hasbro was like, fine, fine. We'll give him a dick again if it really matters that much to you. <laughs> no, I did not see that. Archie Potato Dick back to it. Yeah, they were like, actually, what they said was they were like, look, we never meant to make this inclusive. We just changed the logo for the overall brand to be Potato Head, but then Mr. Potato Head is the character in the brand of Potato. Like they did some like parsing. 
to make it seem like they were not cool. Yeah, I mean, you got to be careful with these things. Like I, you know, this is a random tangent, but did you guys know that the Proud Boys are named after an Aladdin song? A song that was cut from Aladdin? No. Uh, Yeah, but I just, I learned that this week, and it made me really be like, man, uh, everything that is, like, like the shittiest people love love comes from like gay and trans people like the red pill came from the matrix which is two right. trans sisters and right. then yeah so uh howard ashman who wrote uh most of the music for aladdin plus a bunch of songs they didn't use one of the songs was called proud of your boy when it's about how aladdin's gonna make his mom proud and they Aww. cut it because they cut the mom character and the guys who started the Proud Boys, yeah, Gavin McGinnis, the mom character. Uh, no, they they said that whether it, it was this is cultural Marxism trying to make it so that boys aren't proud of themselves. So that's oh, why they cut that yeah. song because they didn't want boys to be proud. So wow. we're going to call ourselves the Proud Boys. But I, they get it from a, a Howard Ashman song, who was a gay man who yeah. died tragically, and like that's where they get their hate group name from. Because wow. the world I have a is dumb. Group I'm organizing called Proud of Your Monkey, which is also based on Aladdin. Stop he does talking about dick. your dick today, Alex. <laughs> you were so horny. No, Aladdin's monkey. Yeah, how are you I not proud it. of him? He no, worked really I get hard. It. I get it. You call your balls Aladdin and your dick the monkey. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. I don't understand <laughs> yeah, that relationship. I don't, at all. I don't understand it at all. All right. But so you, sorry, everybody. Alex, right. you took it here. You brought it here. No, okay, you want to no, talk about kissing? Just, one more email. This one is going to be less funny. So chill yourself for a second. Um, this is from Tom via our Patreon. Um, so you, super message, high priority. Uh, all right. This is uh, sort of a question for Reed and Weep. Great. That's what we're here for, Tom. Um, it's almost an argument, but because we're focusing on this other argument game for a second, I wanted to add it here. But here's kind of the argument question for you guys is, should you tell people if their favorite things are problematic and if so, when? So this comes from having just seen this thread uh, about Reply All and Gimlet um, mm. a couple weeks ago, which oh, then right. turned into an even this. bigger story after it. So yes. you guys have heard about this. But so if you hadn't heard Reply All, which is a podcast I've talked about before, really, really liking, um, was doing a four part series about a toxic work work culture that was uh, especially hostile to people of color. And the Bowen Appetit from uh, Bowen Appetit magazine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, during that episode, people who had felt that their work culture when they worked at Reply All was toxic and hostile to people of color were like, man, this is especially egregiously bad. We have this is the most hypocritical, stupid thing we've ever heard. And uh, the reporter of that story and the host of the show or one of the two hosts of the show both quit after that, um, after that the allegations came out. So it is strange strange uh times in the podcasting world it's like i think like one of the first big actually I guess there's been two really good podcast um uh scandals this year the other one was the new york times podcast about the kid who from canada who joined al-qaeda and then later they were like oh nope he just lied to us he just made it up and we should have known didn't better fact check any of that didn't fact check any of it. yeah the entirety of that s- series uh which was also very compelling and good podcast um, from the daily um all gone anyway um so that one it seems like like uh, yeah how are you going to go back and listen to the series how's it going to affect you but let's say you had a friend who loved reply all do you tell them uh i mean i mean yeah but i mean 
how are you I guess it's more about how are you telling them? Are you telling them like as a friend or is this like something you're trying to hold over them or do they, are you sure they don't oh. already know this? I like, think we can agree that you shouldn't tell them gleefully. Yeah, don't yeah, be the totally. IMDB goofs guy. Right, Don't be toxic it, internet person about it. Just like, uh, just let them know. People need yeah. to know that stuff. Oh my <laughs> God, what's your favorite show? Well, don't you know that a DP who worked on two episodes committed a crime? Thus, you should well, hate everything involved in it. Don't be okay, that guy. So, so here's, here's kind of an example is a friend of the show and friend of both of yours, Curtis Cook, um, is f- really good at this, where if you bring up any celebrity, he'll tell you the worst thing they've ever done. Yeah. Um, so I, we were working on a, a, a project and I joked about having Mark Wahlberg part of it. And he's like, but only if we can talk about how he blinded a guy in a hate crime yeah. and then tried to cover it up so that he could run a burger stand with alcohol, which I don't know anything about. It's a lot of baggage for you to deal with for this one joke about Mark Wahlberg, but he'll do that about everybody. He knows every single Hollywood person, everything they've terrible they've ever done. Yeah, well, Mucky Muck specifically has done a lot of terrible things, and yeah, blinded an Asian man for being no more than being an Asian when he was still his rap character. Um, Yes. But, I mean, he could have redeemed himself if he had been uh, on one of the 9-11 planes and did stop it like he said he would have if he was there. Uh, but he didn't. <laughs> oh, that's good. Did, did he I say didn't that? Know that? I'm glad you know, you know that. that about yeah, him. Yeah, you, you never heard uh, that about how, like, if I was on that plane, it ain't crashing. Oh, I no wish we was. could go back in time and put him on that plane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm going to kill baby Hitler second. First, I'm taking Mark Wahlberg and putting him on an airplane. Um, But, yeah, like, that kind of stuff. And, like, there's definitely, like... I think that, like, you know, I mean, talking, to, we were talking about Psycho earlier. Right. right. Like, yeah, Psycho is one of those movies. Yeah. Psycho is problematic. I know yeah, that. it's problematic. Mm-hmm. And it's the type of thing that, like, it's still a really good movie that has these problems to it. And I think you have to kind of have an understanding about that and being open to having a conversation about that if you want. But also, like, I, I think that, like, going out of your way to tell someone, especially if it is like a completed work that was done 50 years ago is different with like reply all you're going to figure your friend is going to figure out well, something yeah. happened with reply all when the show stops coming. To out, be, right? Yeah. To be like fair, to be fair to Tom's question, he sent that before the show was like, yes, you're right. And we're changing. Um, when he said it, it was just like a Twitter thread and rumors and people like the beginnings of the allegations. And but so yeah, I, now, no, with the with the distance of time, yeah, you don't have to tell your friends shit about it, Reply All because they'll get to the bonus yeah. episode where um, the good one is like, "Hey, sorry, the bad one quit." Yeah, and there and, is like there is like with the whole Reply All thing, the kind of the the layers of ironies to it was like my wife and I we were big fans of the BA Test Kitchen YouTube channel, really good oh. content. We watched it almost daily. We would put it on in the background while we were doing other stuff. And then once everything happened there and it got so toxic and all the great talent left, it became like, fuck BA. Like, even though they've tried to rebrand and hire a whole bunch of people, most of the higher ups, they they replaced the faces. The faces are diverse in a way they've never been before. But like the same, a lot of the same toxic environment is still there. And I just have no interest in supporting them. See, all of this I would have learned if they had gotten to episode three of the series, but they stopped after two and they were like, next week, video. And so now I'm teased. Yeah. So (laughs) it's it's a good job. You got maybe you should be the new Reply All co host. I will tell you. I will tell you. Thank you. Not talk for culture. 
Yeah, I mean, definitely we'll say a few toxic things on Mike each episode, you know. <laughs> I'll try to talk about your dick for an extended amount of time you each week. but it. You can cut it, just, um, why, yeah. just like people don't get this joke right now. Yeah, but it is like, you know, I think that, like, if I had a friend who still really liked BA or something like that, I wouldn't lord it over them, like Hunter was saying, but I would be like, oh, yeah, I used to really watch them. Then all that stuff came out, and it, like, just kind of bummed me out, and I had trouble, like taking the people who are still there seriously because it's like you had a chance to walk and support your, your you know your people of color co-workers but you didn't you decided to like stay there and weather the storm which is like whatever it's your life but i just i can't find you engaging anymore so that's yeah kind of the line i would have with that type of thing but yeah. So you so it sounds like though from especially the way you riffed on Mark Wahlberg, you would delight in ruining this for me. Well, first off, if it if in the year no lord twenty twenty one you told me you were a giant Mark Wahlberg fan, we'd have a bigger conversation yeah, on the thing. That's, yeah. That's a whole different yeah. thing. <laughs> you clear yeah. I was definitely making fun of him, but I was making fun of him for being stupid, not for being racist, and I guess I wasn't inclusive enough in my roasting. Um, I mean, I, I feel had, like they go together. It's not the most surprising thing. Well, no, that's that's certainly true. Um, but okay, so I, I yeah, I think this is. I, I don't know that we have a clear answer for you, Tom, from this. But I have a clear I, answer. You you should tell your friend. I mean, you should tell you. You should always tell your friend in 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 that situation. Don't just like let don't let the people in your life just like not know about this stuff and just kind of go through their like. I mean, I realize there's a certain amount of like. Oh, I'm going to be kind of bursting the bubble and and ruining uh, this thing in some ways. But to be honest, there is no such thing as ethical consumption under capitalism. So yeah. you know you can do this all day. Like, <laughs> I, I think that's a good point. I'll take it a little bit slightly different direction, which is um, in, to, in agreeing with you. Which is, I agree that you should do that um, if for no other moral reason than it's the same thing as seeing uh, spinach in their teeth. It's like if you don't say anything then they're going to go out and embarrass themselves at a job interview because they'll still have right. spinach in their teeth. So if you exactly. don't tell me about Marky Mark in private, I might say on a podcast that I was making fun of Marky Mark and I didn't know about the racism. So this is you taking this chance to like protect your friend and keep them from doing yeah. something more embarrassing later. And if it turns out your friend is like, well, you know what? My dad had spinach in his teeth and he could do it all day. So why can't I? I'm happy with the spinach in my teeth. It's you fucking anti-spinach warriors out there who are going around telling everyone they can't put spinach in your teeth. You're the fucking problem, all right? This is so Look, good. I like I'm... the spinach that comes out of Joe Rogan's mouth, okay? It's good spinach. I am clipping this, e this this audio just now. I clip that, and I'm sending it to Gimlet in your application to be the new Reply All co-host. Thank you so much for listening we will be back again next week with more great season four content um next week we haven't been doing previews every week because sometimes we don't know what we're going to be doing but um next week we are going to be talking about the watchman the, the long comic strip watchman uh, <laughs> yes it's a, it's a sunday funny it's a very long sunday funny uh watchman um which is about um, some superheroes and their invisible tiger friend. Um, anyway, we're all we're going to talk about it over two weeks. We're going to be reading the graphic novel. I'm going to be doing it with my eyeballs, not my earballs. I'm doing the whole actually reading it, um, even though I don't un, I don't know how to read pages with that many pictures on them. It's, it hurts my brain, but I'm going to try it. 
and we're gonna so we're gonna do the first six issues of the 12 next week and then the following week we'll do the seven through 12 um and we'll have some talks about it so um if you have thoughts on Watchmen, you want to get them in on the first half of the book, uh, let us know. You can send us email podcast at read-weep.com. Make sure we talk about the thing that you want us to talk about about it. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter, um, where I will get back to you depending uh, relatively fast, um, or even faster if you're on Patreon, because that is how capitalism works, and there's no ethical way to consume this podcast either. Um, that's what we're going to be doing. So uh, we're excited about The Watchmen. This is Anthony's been... Um, been lobbying for this for some time and we're finally put it on the calendar so i'm excited to talk about it i have the book in my hands right now it is long seeming but mm-hmm. i'm gonna do my best oh come on it's a graphic novel yeah, it reads fast you'll yeah, you'll, you'll get it alex remember you're supposed to start in the center panel of the page and then yeah. kind of <laughs> and work your way out this direction yeah okay, it's like uh, a submarine in, circle like in when a you're spiral. trying to yeah yeah okay. uh, you want to okay. spiral Thank out and Good. it's also, you know, Watchmen was originally written as a manga. So if you start on the last page <laughs> to read from right to left, uh, you'll well, also be able to be able to. Uh, I just figured way. out you're making fun of me. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> this is going to be weird, but I will do it. Uh, so look forward to that in your feeds in the next two weeks. And thank you so much uh, to all of our people who write in podcast at readdeshweep.com. Thank you to all of our meat buddies who donate to support the show and keep us floating down the tracks. And thank you to our amazing co-hosts uh, while, while we have them before they leave for Gimlet. Thanks for being here, Anthony. It is a lot of fun. And uh, and Humper, thanks for talking to me. <laughs> yeah, wait. Why why are you throwing that in here at the end? They don't know that I'm called Humper. They just I found know, that out. confusing, but that's a little bit jo- joke for you and I, just to hang out at the end here. Ooh, I heard you laugh. Joke. I like that. They know that we're friends. That's important. Yeah, hey, audience, you may excuse yourselves. This is me and me and Alex joke time. Yeah, yeah. leave it right. well, though. Actually, we should all excuse ourselves because the show is over. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.